for nearly two decades. The award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with Your Financial Editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on AM 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and also as a podcast on iTunes. I am Chris Murray, your host. Thanks so much for being with us this weekend. I hope things are going well for you and your family. Appreciate you uh, being with us. We have a nice program laid out for you today. We're going to be talking about some very interesting top stories of this past week. Um, And uh, we have some economic data that we're going to look at. Some not so good especially uh, when it comes to inflation and the consumer. And then joining me in just a little bit, the uh, chief economist for the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council, Mr. Ray Keating. Um, He's a friend of the program, as is the council. And uh, they put out a really interesting piece this week titled IP, which is for intellectual property. IP giveaway by Biden administration sets troubling precedent for U.S. innovation and foundational freedoms. Uh, This is interesting. I think you'll really uh, get uh, some good information, some good education uh, from this uh, subject matter, if you will. And we'll be talking with that chief economist uh, from the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council in just a little bit. So hope you're able to stay tuned for that. Well, you know, the Colonial Pipeline was really the talk of the town this week. Uh, It started last Friday and uh, carried over through the weekend and into Monday. On Monday, we saw crude prices uh, rise, and that's because of that cyber attack that shut down the largest pipeline system in the United States, uh, Colonial Pipeline. They operate the 5,500-mile system, taking fuel from the refineries of the Gulf Coast, all the way up to the New York metro area. And uh, the pipeline transports about 100 million gallons a day, or roughly 45% of fuel consumed on the East Coast. So, you know, it delivers fuels including gasoline and diesel and jet fuel and heating oil. It serves our U.S. uh, military facilities. And... um, It's very, very important. Their main lines, uh, lines one, two, three, and four, were uh, uh, taken offline by these hackers. Uh, So basically, the company said uh, on Monday that they were in the process of restoring service to other laterals and will bring the full system back online only when they believe it's safe to do so. And, of course, they wanted to be make sure they were going to be in full compliance with the approval of all federal regulations. Uh, according to Colonial, the attack involved ransomware, where an attacker seizes control of computer systems, and then they demand a payoff. So it's a terrorist act. Uh, the FBI, the Energy Department, or Department of Energy, I should say, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, they were all working uh, supposedly in collaboration to figure out what the heck happened, how it happened, um, and and hopefully learn from it and be able to uh, better protect these vital grids from this type of uh, stuff in the future. So the government was kind of scrambling to figure out what to do. I noticed uh, toward midweek, the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, they issued this emergency fuel waiver 
to alleviate the fuel shortages that we saw, especially in in certain states. So what they did is uh, to free up more fuel for drivers, the EPA, um, they waived the fuel standards for 12 states in the District of Columbia. Um, and, And what that actually is, is the state's would be able to sell gasoline that normally would not be allowed due to ozone pollution regulations until uh, May 31st, 2021, so later this month. And, and what that means is the Clean Air Act allows the EPA and the Department of Energy to waive certain fuel requirements in an effort to ensure an adequate supply of fuel to make sure that's available. So it's just another example of, you know, just uh, – the many failures that the government has in place uh, when it comes to energy. They want to talk a good game, but really, um, especially what we've seen this year in in uh, numerous situations, they've just been terrible at uh, what is done with energy, how it's handled, the pricing, how it hurts uh, certain people. And what I really learned from this week was retired four-star uh, general, his name is General Jack Keane, and he was talking about this little-known dark secret that involved this colonial pipeline cyber attack. And I'll read you some of his comments. Uh, General Jack Keane said, first of all, Russia's involved here. About half of their offensive attack capability that they use in Russia is devoted to criminal activity. No big surprise there, right? The other part is devoted to purely government activity conducting offensive cyber attacks. But here's a little-known dark secret, the general continued, uh, that's involving this. The people who are involved in the criminality, by and large, are all Russian hackers, and Putin permits them to do this as a way of moonlighting for their own organizations and to conduct criminal activity kind of looks the other way, or I don't know, maybe he takes his cut. Uh, It's said that he's the richest person in the entire world. Um, Although, you know, you'd never be able to prove it, but it also wouldn't be a big surprise if you found out that that was a fact. Uh, The general went on to say that uh, to say that while this took place in Russia and it's well known for many of the people that would be perpetrating this attack also work for the Russian government full time and do this part time. Think about that. People in Putin's government. On the side, this is their side gig, their side hustle, I guess. They're cyber hackers. And yet nobody's saying anything or pushing back on this. As a matter of fact, um, Biden wouldn't even say that Russia is involved, saying that there's no evidence there. Although, again, I'll go with Jack Keane, the four star uh, general who has a history of knowing what's going on around the world, whether it's in Russia or in China or what's going on that the chaos in the Middle East right now. And then, you know, of course, with uh, these new talks being initiated with the Iran, uh, the Iranian deal. So, um, you know, and and not only didn't acknowledge that Russia had anything to do with it, but when he was asked about um, this ransom being paid by Colonial Pipeline to the uh, terrorist, 
He said that he had no comment. Um, you know, originally these terrorists demanded $100 million. Apparently they settled at $4 million, which you know, I guess if you're a big company, you can absorb that. But what does uh, the little, the smaller companies do? And I know they hit smaller uh, targets like certain small hospitals for thirty-five to 50000 That's been reported. But um, these are all terrorists. And they need to be treated that way, and we need to admit it, talk about it, and figure out what we're going to do in retaliation for this. I mean, you're talking about some serious anxiety for certain people up and down the East Coast in particular. Um, You saw the gas lines, the panicking. You saw fights break out at the gas lines. Uh, There was just havoc in some situations. So something needs to be done about this, but yet... They don't act like they want to step up and and uh, and do anything at this point, which is just a total sign of weakness. That's all it is. Once again, just showing, you know, oh, yeah, OK, we can we'll take this and maybe we should form a committee and have a couple uh, round tables and we'll discuss these things and get back to you in six to nine months. Um, that doesn't work. But in any event, that's exactly what we're seeing. And um, it's very disheartening. And at the same time that this was going on, I don't know if you heard about this. I just wanted to bring it uh, to your attention. By the way, um, we talked about often we'll mention cryptocurrency. That's really a a popular subject right now. You know, it's real sexy with the Bitcoin and Erythium and um, Dogcoin and all these other coins that they have out there, these digital currencies. But the very, very dark side of digital currencies that we've talked about here on the program is you don't really know who's behind it, supposedly, and I believe it. uh, That's how Colonial paid off the terrorist, so it couldn't be traced through digital currency, a Bitcoin or something similar. And what's really, really scary besides that, think about the drugs. Think about the other terrorist financing where there's loss, uh, loss of life involved and maiming. Uh, think about um, the drugs and how they use cryptocurrency uh, with their drug trade. Think about the poor women who, and I guess men, boys, that are sex trafficked. And they, again, use this cryptocurrency as part of their uh, evil. Uh, so that's the downside to cryptocurrency and why, again, before it's really received um, like it, it it wants to be, there has to be some type of accountability, some type of tracing, if you will, whether it's blockchain or whatever it might be, uh, because that's a very deep, dark, evil place, those things that I mentioned. As you know, I'm preaching to the choir, but... Just think about that. And this is how they were able to extract $4 million from a major oil producer um, when it comes to getting the fuel where it needs to be in the United States of America. So anyway, while this is going on, um, in all of her wisdom, the governor of Michigan, uh, Whitmer, back in November— said that, uh, okay, Enbridge, which is a um, a, a big uh, oil operation up in Canada, actually, uh, you guys have six months to shut down 
uh, your pipeline. So she says this back in uh, in November. Lo and behold, that hits this week. Just when, you know, we don't need any more energy disruption. And, you know, what we saw Canadians' reaction, I thought, was very appropriate because a day before that Michigan deadline to close down that key crude oil pipeline, Canada said that uh, the move could undermine relations with the United States and its closely ally, or its closest, I should say, ally and trading partner. So, again, this Canadian company, Enbridge, um, they're ramping up their legal battle with Michigan and with all the crazy environmental groups that are protesting and jumping up and down and whatever, coloring their face and making their signs and organizing, uh, we know, on what side of the aisle. Um, But it was all about, again, this, it's called Line 5 being shut down. Now, the Canadian government said in a U.S. federal court filing that Michigan has no right to act unilaterally. So you can't act unilaterally if um, you've had something in place since 1977 between the United States and Canada, and it's a treaty that guarantees the free flow of oil between our two nations. But Whitmer, you know, she wants to be a rising star and you know, in the Democrat Party, you know, you know, be like Cuomo and get her face everywhere and get interviews and whatever. Again, it doesn't matter who you step on or who you hurt, but that's just what's important to her. So, um, you know, the case, according to Canada, raises concerns regarding the efficacy of the historic framework upon which the U.S.-Canada relationship has been successfully managed for generations. Again, you're talking about decades here. And this Line 5, it brings in 540,000 barrels per day of oil from Western Canada to refineries in Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, up in Canada, goes through Ontario, Quebec. So... um, it's just amazing. It's really amazing that um, what these politicians try to do. You know how long the pipeline is going through Michigan? It's four miles. But she's saying that it could disrupt or, you know, erupt, I should say, and cause some type of hazard. Well, it's been there for many, many decades. Not one incident. But perfect timing for this uh, energy um, push and misinformation campaign that's just continuing to gain steam, which I'll have to say, folks, if you didn't hear the program last Saturday, uh, go to WFMD.com or go to iTunes in the podcast there. Look up your financial editor and listen to Mr. Mark Mills from the Manhattan Institute talk about what it takes to make one car battery. The raw material from the earth. You know what? We didn't have time to get into, which is a great follow-up question. When that battery is no good anymore after 10 years, what are you going to do with it? Where's that battery going to go? So you're going to rip and strip the earth of all its natural resources to make a 1,000-pound battery and then eventually go back and bury it in the same hole? I mean, I'm just wondering, is that how it's going to work? 
So I suggest uh, if you have time, listen to that. Very, very interesting. Mr. Mills, uh, very smart guy, uh, very well um, versed. Started back in the Reagan uh, Reagan administration and has been in multiple um, disciplines uh, through his career. Very, very smart when it comes to energy. One thing also we saw this week, getting away from the energy thing a little bit, Senator, or excuse me, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell suggested that he would support an infrastructure package that costs as much as $800 billion. So he was interviewed. He said, look, we're in total opposition to the $2.3 trillion tax and spending proposal that was put forth by Biden earlier this year. Um, that measure supposedly includes, you know, everything that's needed for infrastructure. But really what it does is spends hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of billions on non-infrastructure. How do they do that? They redefine what infrastructure is. Now, I know the folks listening to the program, you're smarter than the average bear. So you understand and maybe agree with the Senate Republicans that an infrastructure package should focus solely on traditional infrastructure like roads, ports, bridges, water lines, broadband, and that's even newer, broadband. But it's very important, and that's as the country's changed. It's important that you know we make that available and build that out for those folks that don't have it. But this is just total baloney, this $2.3 trillion. And I also give uh, some of the other um, Senate Republicans that are even more conservative, they put forth a plan that scaled back all the way to $568 billion last month. So obviously that's less than the $800 billion that I just mentioned uh, that uh, Senator Mitch McConnell had talked about. But again, common sense politicians want the money to go where it needs to go. That $800 billion, let me break it down for you just real quickly. $299 billion for roads and bridges. $61 billion for public transit systems. $20 billion for rails, including the annually failing Amtrak. It always needs to be bailed out, no matter who they put in charge of it. Thirty-five, which, by the way, I love Amtrak. Um, that's when I go up to whatever to Manhattan, or you know, I have business trips. That's how I go. But whoever's running it is an epic failure, um, and uh, it just they have to be bailed out. So here you go. Here's another twenty billion. Even though they just got some money because of the virus, thirty-five billion for drinking water and wastewater, thirteen billion for safety, seventeen billion for ports and inland waterways. $44 billion for airports. That's, that's really needed in certain spots. $65 billion for broadband that I mentioned. $14 billion, uh, billion for water storage. That's infrastructure. That's $800 billion of infrastructure. That's your money, by the way. Um, that makes sense. The other stuff that they're trying to push um, is a joke, and they should be totally embarrassed um, to even talk about it. So one of the uh, other top stories I saw is this extend, uh, ex- expanded federal unemployment benefits that a lot of people are really complaining about, including me. I'm in the front row on this uh, that was implemented during the virus last year. Um, you've got 
this it's going to be ending earlier than what the federal government wants it to end when you look at states like Arkansas, Montana, South Carolina, Florida, and others that are run by Republican governors who are saying, look, we are listening to our business owners and we have to stop paying this money to get people back to work. Common sense. You know, I was glad to hear that. Not surprising. I mean, that's why those states are run so well and they didn't need to be bailed out by the um, uh, the last package that was uh, passed by the uh, current administration where they were giving money uh, billions and billions and billions of dollars to um, democratically run states because they were run so poorly. But even if they had a surplus like California, I think they had like a $70 billion surplus, they still got your money. They still got money. So what does that mean? Eh, you have to wonder who's going to end up with that money. That's my my big question. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about this unemployment stuff, Biden said on Monday that they were pledging to enforce unemployment insurance laws so that no American can game the system to get paid not to work. And, of course, these were in prepared remarks, which is the only real remarks that he gives. It's either reading from a teleprompter uh, which he does not do well, or the note cards in his hand, even during that, well, I saw like a clip from a CBS interview one-on-one. He's sitting there with note cards in his hand. Does that mean he knew what the question was going to be? Or if he told him, you know, to take a break, you know, he could refresh his mind on the talking points. That's scary. I don't care who you are. Uh, what color, you know, if you're blue for Democrat, red for Republican, green for green, I don't care. That's scary. Um, but Biden also rejected this recent push by uh, Senate and House Republicans to end or even severely curtail that extra 300 bucks a week in a, uh, unemployment benefit extension that's going to go to the end of the summer. So obviously talking out of both sides of their mouth there. And what does that mean? I saw an interesting story this week. A New York seafood restaurant was forced to close all seven of its locations on Sundays. Why? They can't find enough workers. And this isn't in the city, folks. This is upstate in the Albany area. So it was Ted's Fresh Fry, I think, was the name of the uh, the company. And they had like seven locations Um, And now they're no longer going to serve customers on Sundays, and they're blaming the virus unemployment checks for keeping workers at home. As a matter of fact, the one manager who was interviewed told the paper that candidates, they're not even showing up. They're not even coming in. And he said that they're going to stay home because they get that that extra, excuse me, 300 bucks a week in virus benefits that are being provided in addition to their regular unemployment. This is the dumbest thing in the world. I thought we were recovering. I thought we were, you know, ripping and roaring and everybody was opening up and this was a, you know, an epic success the last couple months and it was all because of the governors rolling out the vaccine, blah, blah, blah. And yet, you know, you want to pay people to stay home. If it's that good, then back it up. Stop those extra benefits. Get people back to work. And here, of course, what people don't want to talk about that broke my heart, 
I saw this week, fatal drug overdoses spiked to record highs last year. Why? The virus that, that came from China, and still they haven't taken uh, responsibility, and the Biden administration won't say anything about it, where it came from, how it happened, blah. It just, they, they won't. But what happened? The virus came, lockdowns, that drove insula- uh, insulation, or isolation, I should say, and uh, loss of routine for a lot of these folks who were in a bad, bad place in their mind and in their life. And that is the likely factor behind the surge in deaths. So state-level fatal drug overdoses data covering the 12-month period ending in September 2020, which is the closest uh, proxy available for last year as a whole, shows uh, drug deaths surged at least 26.8% in the United States. That's a lot of lives. You're talking thousands and thousands per state. So why doesn't someone ask Fauci about this important subject during one of his 800 interviews each week? Or how about, you know, again, the suicide rates and the other mental and physical abuses? Now, they just want to talk about masks. Uh, so it's really a shame. So I hope uh, we can turn the corner on this because it is uh, devastating in so many different ways. It already has been to a lot of people. And the sooner we get this behind us and quit listening to the nonsense, the better off we're going to be. Uh, the brand new complimentary takeaway for you that I talked about last week, it's up. Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. The new, uh, it's actually an eight-page guide for you. It's complimentary. It's an instant download. It's titled, Will Your Money Last As Long As You Do? Um, This is a big, big question that pretty much every retiree asks. You know, are we going to be all right? Are we going, or are we going to outlive our money? Uh, Some of those things, which again, I mean, it's very, very normal to ask that. So uh, if you go to murrayfinancialgroup.com, click on, uh, you know, get your complimentary download, goes right to your email, and enjoy that, and we'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and at iTunes as a podcast. Just uh, search for your financial editor and you will uh, find the podcast for this program and other past programs. If you want to re-listen or share, uh, that's why uh, all that information is there for you. And um, talking about some economic data quickly before we get into our discussion with my guest over uh, intellectual property, Um, you know, we saw U.S. job openings hit a record high in March. Uh, That was tough to see. Um, Not a big surprise because 
We also saw initial jobless claims came in at 473,000 last week. Uh, according to the Labor Department, job openings are at a record 8.1 million and nearly 10 million people are officially unemployed. You've got companies scrambling for labor. I'll get back to it again. You know, you've got these big unemployment benefits. You're paying people not to work. Uh, and also you've got these parents who love their children, um, especially ladies. That's who this is hurting the most in the job uh, market. Uh, who are staying home and being with their children to help them learn virtually um, so that they are learning and that they're protected from the evils on the uh, Internet, et cetera. So that's a, a kind of an ugly thing to talk about. Two other or actually three other pieces I'll, I'll hit real quick. Um, as far as data, consumer prices rose in April at the fastest annual pace in nearly 13 years. Consumer prices, CPI, consumer price index, up 4.2% year over year. Biggest increase we've seen since 2008. Um, Core prices, which exclude food and energy, which I don't know why, uh, rose nine-tenths of a percent in April, accounting for the largest monthly increase since April of, wait for it, 1982. And they're saying that inflation is not a problem. Well, let me ask you this. Your fuel costs more? I know it costs people more to uh, to fix a meal these days because food prices are up. Other prices are up, too. Even when you look at the uh, the auto market industry, there's a chip shortage. That's creating inflationary pressures. Uh, the producer price in- index came out the next day. That's on a wholesale level. Once again, You see some record numbers, fastest annual pace on record for producer price uh, or in the producer price index from April 2020 to April 21. This is not the kind of stuff you want to see. And then what does that do? Well, maybe it slows down the consumer. Why do I say that? Because we saw retail sales in the month of March flat. General consensus 1% 1% to the upside, flat, not one-tenth of a percent up, not two-tenths of a percent, nothing. Nowhere near that 1% expectation, flat. What does that tell you? Things are heating up out there. Prices are a problem. Um, again, when you have uh, government people and bureaucrats uh, and appointed and elected folks running the show that don't understand uh, basic economics – and free markets, this is what you get, and uh, it's really a shame. So a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking with my guest, Mr. Ray Keating, friend of the program, senior uh, and chief economist at the um, uh, Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council. Um, I just want to make sure I got that right. Uh, Like I said, they've been on a lot with us. They give us a lot of good information We're going to be talking about intellectual property and what's being talked about right now with intellectual property and making it available where it shouldn't be made available. In other words, giving away trade secrets, patents, that type of information. Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com, download the brand new complimentary report, Will Your Money Last As Long As You Do? Boy, that's a question that I know... I hear a ton, and it's a great one, and that'll help you get that answer. 
It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast on iTunes. Uh, Thanks so much for being with us. As I mentioned right before the break, we were going to be jumping into our conversation this morning with our guest, Mr. Ray Keating, a friend of the program. Ray is the chief economist uh, for the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council. You've read his stuff, I'm sure. You've probably seen him on TV, heard him on the radio. Um, he's got, he has books out there, uh, very accomplished, fighting the good fight for business and for economic freedom every day. Uh, he has an MA in economics from NYU, an MBA in banking and finance from Hostra, and a BS in business administration and economics from St. Joseph's College. Um, and Ray, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. I appreciate it as always. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. You know, I'm not quite as busy as you. We were talking off the air, and you got a lot of stuff going on besides your work life with moving and also um, it sounds like good stuff, just busy stuff. So like I said, I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule as always. Um, I was telling the listeners a little bit about the piece. Of course, I get the email from you guys, which I want to throw this out real quick for everybody. If you want to get some really usable, knowledgeable true information via email for free, go to their website um, and, and, and sign up for that, uh, that, that newsletter that I get. It's uh, sbecouncil.org. Again, Sierra Bravo Echo, the word council.org. So the one I got, Ray, it was really interesting. Of course, a lot of people are up in arms about this, but it was titled IP giveaway by Biden administration sets troubling precedent for U.S. innovation and foundational freedoms. What's going on here? Yeah, the Biden administration has announced that it wants to support a petition from the World Trade Organization to essentially waive intellectual property rights protections uh, for COVID-19 vaccinations, vaccines. So you know, it's one of those things that people hear initially, they're like, well, we need to get those vaccines out there, so why not do this? Um, unfortunately, it makes no sense whatsoever in terms of how the pharmaceutical industry works, and it sets a, a very bad precedent going forward, to say the least, because, you know, the reason that the U.S. really leads the world in terms of pharmaceuticals is because of the fact that we have strong intellectual property protections here, patent protections. Um, we don't impose price controls. Um, and more recently, we, you know, we have a favorable tax environment. So those are all things that work in our favor. Why we would want to undermine this doesn't make any sense because, as I said, the pharmaceutical industry is already, you know, listen, they pulled off this miracle that none of us thought they could, right? They, this, this pandemic hit and within a year, we had vaccines. That's unheard of. It's, it's incredible. We should all be thankful for it. We shouldn't be attacking their, their property rights that, uh, as a result. And they are working with other firms and manufacturers all around the world to create more vaccines and get them out to people. So this is happening. 
Yet we have this movement by the Biden administration and some of the WTO, and you just have to kind of wonder if it's more politics than anything else. And that's that was my follow-up question, is it sure seems that way, like outside looking in. Like if everything's working, um, why would you want to muddy the water? I mean, I think people need to remember, and I know folks get upset about drug prices. Everybody does. I have speak to people about it, and I get it. Um, but, you know, I think on average uh, for these pharmaceutical companies, the big ones, it, it takes them about a billion dollars or so through research and development to come out with a blockbuster type of of, uh, of drug. So it's not yeah. something that's easy to do or that anybody can do. You alluded to Operation Warp Speed. Like, I'm with you. Um, in my mind, I was given a big amen when you said we never thought it would be done as quickly as it was. Who knows how many lives were saved, um, especially those folks that are older and those folks that have those comorbidities. Um, so why, so is it political? You think really, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, because what, as far as economics and free markets go, where's the benefit, if any? Right. And well, this has been a problem throughout, uh, so for so long with the, with the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, here's a, an industry that, what do they do? They, they create medicines, right? Life-saving, life-enhancing pharmaceuticals, and yet they're a political target. And I understand, you know, the, the, the price issue, but it's it's been driven so much by politics. They want to ignore the, the fact that you just mentioned the incredible uncertainties, risks and costs of bringing a drug to the marketplace. And also, let's remember, this industry isn't all about, quote unquote, big pharma. It's overwhelmingly about smaller entrepreneurial firms. You know, um, you look at the numbers from the Census Bureau. 79% of pharmaceutical and medicine manufacturers have fewer than 100 employees, you know, 58% fewer than 20 employees. These entrepreneurial firms are out there doing this type of work that needs to be done. Why would we want to undercut them by, you know, un- again, undermining intellectual property protections? And going along with that, inevitably, somebody in Congress talks about imposing price controls. Well, if you want to make sure we don't get new vaccines, that we don't get new medicines, the surest path is to undermine property rights and to impose price price controls. Uh, speaking with our guest this morning, Mr. Ray Keating, he's the chief economist for the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council. And I am so glad you just threw out those statistics because I bet you I'll throw out one. Ninety percent of the folks listening to the program didn't realize how many small businesses and entrepreneurs aren't, like you said, big pharma. They are getting the job done. They're very, very creative. Um, They're making a lot of good things happen. You know the sad part, too, and I'll just throw this in real quick. Why doesn't anybody ever talk about tort reform and these crazy lawsuits that we hear about? I mean, nowadays when you see a, a drug commercial, there's more time spent on the disclaimer than it is on the actual benefits of the drug. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You, you kind of scratch your head. Why is that going on? But you're absolutely right because of lawsuits. Yeah, yeah it's really a shame. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation uh, with our guest this morning, Mr. Ray Keating, friend of the program, really knows his stuff. Uh, we'll dive into this intellectual property uh, issue a little bit more. I mean, who wants to give away a lim- uh, intellectual property?
Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast on iTunes. Uh, so please feel free to check those out, re-listen, share the program if you think it's uh, beneficial or can help people. Uh, the one this morning, sure can. We're talking with my guest, Mr. Ray Keating. He's the uh, chief economist for the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council, and uh, you've read his stuff. You've probably seen him on TV. Uh, he has books out there. I would encourage everybody to go to sbecouncil.org. That's Sierra Bravo Echo, and then the word council.org. A lot of good information. It's true. It's very, very educational, informative, so help yourself to that. So, Ray, where do you think we go with this intellectual property giveaway? Is it something that's going to um, make the hurdle, or are they going to fall on their face? Well, I think in, in, they even rec, uh, recognize this factor. That I believe it was the U.S. trade representative said, well, this is going to take a long time, but we should do this. It's like, well, but, you know, thankfully, here's a case where, I'm thankful for the slowness, if you will, the inefficiency of government bureaucracies and, and organizations like this, because by the time they get to something, hopefully we will have this, you know, this uh, this COVID-19 beaten and so on. But it's still, it, it, it creates a precedent uh, and it's very dangerous. And, you know, if, again, as I mentioned in the earlier segment, if we want to have new and improved medicines, vaccines and so on, we shouldn't be undermining uh, property rights. And, you know, you had mentioned before, well, yes, where is it going? And, and maybe, you know, a lot of people say, why is this going on? I mean, isn't this obvious? Why would you go down this path? I do think there's, you know, I don't want to assign maliciousness to this. I want, I, want, I want to do the best spin for everybody. But I think there's just a general ignorance here amongst many politicians as to how innovation comes about as to how business, quite frankly, works. Um, you know, you, you have passionate entrepreneurs that want to go out and make a difference. That's wonderful. That's fantastic. And those passionate entrepreneurs need investment dollars. They need financial capital. Um, and you have to have the proper incentive structures for that to happen. That's that's straightforward economics. But unfortunately, I think it alludes to many people in politics. Yeah, I agree. They don't know anything about how the business world works. They truly do live in, and this is my opinion, live inside a bubble uh, once they're inside the beltway down there. And I think it's very dangerous. I mean, look, I not only pharma, but everybody now has to worry about what's being stolen from them much less given away. I mean, they have to try to protect these secrets, which is extremely hard because they have outside uh, influences. They have insiders that are actually trying to, we talked about it on the program, you know, $120 million worth of, uh, of secrets stolen. Uh, luckily, they caught the lady, um, even though she found herself in very powerful positions at Coca-Cola and other areas, or excuse me, other companies. But yeah, I mean, it's hard enough just to protect things normally. And now all of a sudden somebody comes in and says, and I think this is a slippery slope because the question is, who's next? I mean, what is going to justify the next um, sector to say, yeah, you need to give away your intellectual property also? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And these, these are fundamental. You know, when you look at Economics 101, when you go back to that first class, hopefully it was taught properly, and these institutions matter. You have to have these foundations in order for an economy to flourish, for free enterprise to flourish. And part of that is property rights. That's Economics 101. 
we don't want to be undermining that. But I think, again, we get so many people in Washington get caught up in politics. They get caught up in political rhetoric, us versus them, you know, anti-big business and so on. So they, they ignore those realities that small entrepreneurial firms dominate these industries, overwhelmingly populate these industries. But whether they're big or small, don't we want our small companies to become global leaders? I sure do. So we should we need that foundation uh, in order for that to happen. That's the basic, and property rights has to be a part of that. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing I think that it, this is constitutional, right? I mean, this is something Absolutely. that yep. you, you know that our thank God for our founding fathers. Um, I, I know they're spinning in their grave with what's going on now, but I mean, you know, they probably never thought it would be like this. But thank goodness that they put these things in place and that we actually have a constitutional argument for this this very issue. No, they understood. They understood the value of property rights and intellectual property rights, patent protections, copyright. Absolutely. You're 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 spot on. Correct. And let's. In so many areas, I would love for today's politicians to look back to the founders more often. Yeah, you and me both. Ray, thank you so much for taking the time. Our guest this morning has been Mr. Ray Keating. He's a chief economist for the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council, friend of the program, always gives us uh, his wisdom and and a lot of insight. And I look forward to catching up with you again. And by the way, good luck on your move. Enjoy your new home. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Take All right. care. All right. Thanks, Ray. You too. And uh, that does it for us. Just a reminder, you can go to their website. A ton of good free stuff, folks. Whether you're a business owner or not, you want to understand what these politicians are saying and what it really means to you and the uh, the, the businesses uh, around you and how it impacts markets and the economy, go to SBE, that's Sierra Bravo Echo, SBE Council.org. This piece is free for you. It's an email that I got. IP giveaway by Biden administration sets troubling precedent for U.S. innovation and foundational freedoms. And that's something that we all need to be well aware of. So go to sbecouncil.org. That does it for us. I hope you enjoyed the program today. Uh, Just a quick reminder, the uh, brand new um, complimentary takeaway for you. If you go to murrayfinancialgroup.com right there on the home page, you just click the button um, and it's an instant download. Uh, will your money last as long as you do? Why a retirement income analysis matters for your future. Uh, it's an eight page uh, read. I think you'll find it uh, interesting, hopefully educational. That's what we uh, that's why we do it. So go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. I'll talk to you on the Morning News Express with uh, Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. That's 556-5750 live each weekday morning. And then we'll be back here uh, next Saturday on the Your Financial Editor program. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success.
past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. News Radio 930. WFMD Frederick. A connoisseur media radio station. 7 o'clock. 